The following program is for informational and educational purposes only. This program does not replace medical, mental health, or psychological diagnosis and treatment prescribed by your personal physician, psychologist, therapist, or other health care provider. Please consult your provider for diagnosis and care before beginning or changing any program or idea discussed. Welcome to Psych Up Live with your host, Dr. Suzanne Phillips. If you're experiencing life, and we know you are, you may have a variety of questions about relationships, family issues, personal goals, coping with the unexpected, and much more. Today, you will hear some answers from a psychological perspective, and you may just take away something that fits. Here is Dr. Suzanne Phillips. Hi, I'm Suzanne Phillips. Thanks for joining me. Today we're going to be talking about the power of children's books to address fears and feelings. When a book is read by a parent, a teacher, or a loved one to a child, it is an intimate experience of shared imagination. It is also a powerful and personal way to help a child with some of the fears, feelings, and issues that go along with childhood. Today, we are going to hear about the therapeutic power of books from our guest, who's a true expert, Dr. Frank Cilio, psychologist and award-winning children's author. Dr. Cilio is a New Jersey licensed psychologist and the founder and executive director of the Center for Psychological Enhancement in Ridgewood, New Jersey. He's been consistently recognized as one of New Jersey's top kids' doctors. Now, he has seven books with an eighth, eighth, eighth book coming out, and his latest book, A World of Possibilities, an Exercise in Mindfulness, as well as a number of his other books, and we're going to be looking at some of these books, like Sally the Sore Loser, A Story About Winning and Losing, Don't Put Yourself Down in Circus Town, A Story About Self-Confidence. Many of his books, including his latest one, are gold medal recipients of the prestigious Mom's Choice Awards. Dr. Cilio has also won silver medals for the Moonbeam Children's Book Awards and the Independent Publisher Book Awards. Dr. Cilio works in his practice with children, teens, and adults dealing with many issues, but he also specializes in helping folks cope with chronic illness. In fact, he has two other children's books that address chronic illness. One of them is called Toilet Paper Flowers, a story for children about Crohn's disease, and the other, I love this title, Hold the Cheese, a story about lactose intolerance. Dr. Cilio has presented nationwide. He's appeared on radio and television. He's been published in psychological journals and quoted in newspapers and magazines. Dr. Frank Cilio, it is my pleasure to welcome you to Psych Up Live. Thank you so much. It's a pleasure to be here today. Thank you for having me. Okay, Um, Dr. Cilio, I think it's a treat for all of us. Let me start by asking, what got you started writing children's books? I I actually just fell right into it. It wasn't something that I, you know, thought I would ever do as a psychologist. I read a lot of children's books to my patients to help them with different problems that they're having. And you mentioned in your introduction that I work with children and adults with chronic illnesses. Um, And so... There was one particular illness that I have called Crohn's disease, 
and I have a lot of referrals of kids with this disease, and there was no book for them to help them mm. explain it to themselves, to their families, to their friends. And they said to me, Dr. Frank, how come we don't have a book? How come we don't have a book on Crohn's? So I just started thinking, and I just started you know, coming up with an idea, and voila, about a year or two later, Toilet Paper Flowers was written and published and uh, started on this journey of writing children's books for kids with a psychological focus to help them feel better about themselves and also give advice to parents and caregivers on how to help their children or their friends that are coping with a particular problem. And the books certainly do that. Now, the whole idea of using books and reading material for therapeutic purposes comes under the heading of bibliotherapy. So I wondered if you could tell our our listeners a bit about that. Sure. Bibliotherapy is a child therapy technique. I think it's also used with adults as well. Basically, what what it does is that you read a book to a child about a particular topic. It could be about anger, divorce, any kind of topic that the child may be struggling with. And in the book, it contains the story about that particular topic. It validates their thoughts and feelings about that problem. And then it offers healthy solutions to that problem. And the reason why books are so great with kids is kids are so used to being read to at bedtime, and it's a very wonderful bonding experience that parents and caregivers have with their children, teachers have with their children. So reading to a child in the therapeutic setting kind of mirrors that, and it allows the therapist to read in a safe way about a topic that they may not be so comfortable talking about freely just with a therapist. So, wow, there's a book written about this disease. Wow, I have a, there's a book about divorce. I'm not the only one out there that is struggling with these feelings, these thoughts that I have. It somewhat normalizes their experience. So that's what it, bibliotherapy does and hopes to achieve. It's kind of a play therapy technique, um, you know, different than playing with dolls or playing with uh, puppets or things like that. Well, I'm glad you mentioned it as a play therapy technique. I do think it's a very, very important technique. The whole idea that and children, as, as we do, we really interact with the book when we read it. So we somehow make it ours. Because as you say, we get the wonderful message, hey, I'm not the only one. And then we f- somehow personalize it, which certainly is a step toward moving on with dealing with it and finding solutions. So the Correct. use of books as you have is really, really a gift. Now, Thank you. I want to tell our listeners that the way I found Dr. Frank Cilio is I came upon his latest book because I was looking at books that are published by the American Psychological Association. And when I saw A World of Plausibilities, an exercise in mindfulness, I thought, Oh, this is amazing. We're all talking about mindfulness. We are inviting adults to actually reduce stress and improve resilience 
by actually lowering their hyperarousal. And this Dr. Frank Cilio has found a way to translate it for children. And that was my first step in connecting with Dr. Cilio. And then I realized, wow, he has many books. Mm-hmm. So um, this is an award winner. I wondered if you could tell us a little bit about what's this, the backstory of the a World of Plausibilities. Tell us what made you write this book okay. and a little bit about it. Yeah, it was just released actually in February, and I'm really proud of this book. It's very different. It was my first rhyming book, actually, because most of my other books, are all my other books, except for this one and the one that's coming out in October, they're rhyming books. So it was a, it was a wonderful opportunity to try something, a different kind of writing style. But I was interested in mindfulness because I started using it with my patients. And I thought, wow, when I started reading about the research about it and how it reduced anxiety and it helped with ADHD and helped with a host of uh, psychological issues that kids and adults struggle with. And so it intrigued me that, you know, how, how do I teach kids about this thing we called mindfulness? Because it is really all over the place. And, you know, people read about it, but they don't always know what it is. And I was playing on the word possibilities, and that's where I came up with possibilities because this book teaches kids to take a pause, to take a break, to take a breath, to stop to be in the moment, which is the essence of what mindfulness is, is to be in the moment and be present to that and to be non-judgmental about how you think, how you feel, what you're experiencing. And there's many ways to be mindful, from mindful eating to walking. And a world of possibilities includes lots of suggestions for kids and for their parents to implement on a daily basis. I've gotten feedback from parents that they, when they read the book, they said, this isn't just a kid's book. I need this book. I need to pause in my life. I need to take a moment for myself because we live in such a hurried world where we're just constantly on the go with our jobs and et cetera, that people aren't pausing. They're not kind of taking in the moment. So I wanted to write a book because I work with impulsive kids, I work with kids on the autistic spectrum who sometimes struggle with pausing. And I wanted to give them a tool that they could have and use at home, at school, etc. So I started writing um, A World of Possibilities. And I, I personally also started taking, I took the mindfulness-based stress reduction MBSR course that was developed by John Kabat-Zinn out of University of Massachusetts. He started that course, and it's an eight-week course. So, so I started studying it myself and started doing my own mindfulness because I have to, I have to kind of practice what I preach in a way, and I mm-hmm. wanted to really, really interested me. So I wanted to write this book, and uh, Imagination Press, who's the children's imprint of APA, American Psychological Association, really and really love this book and embrace this book. And it seems that people are really embracing this topic um, in our world today. We need mindfulness probably now more than ever, perhaps. Well, the beauty of the book is, as you say, with the parents who called in, it's captured taking that pause. You know, the whole idea of even not constantly ruminating and not worrying about the past or uh, catastrophizing about the future is captured in the idea of let's just stay with the moment. But that's a hard concept if it's not in some way operationalized or someone doesn't give you examples. Correct. When I And when I thought about 
some youngsters, really little ones, I think we also have to take responsibility. I think we've sort of stolen mindfulness from them because if you're walking with a two and a half or a three-year-old, they will stop to pick up the rock, to look at the flower, and Mm -hmm. we're the ones saying, it's a quarter to three, we've got to go to soccer. Wait, it's Tuesday, we've got to run to swimming. I yeah. think we we really unfortunately take them out of their natural mindfulness and throw them into what we live with, which is a little bit of an overscheduled nightmare at times. So I think your your message really brings everyone back. Well, um, that's, very, doc- that's, very, that's very true because children are more naturally mindful than as adults, as you had you know stated that you know kids are very much. Um, you know, when they're playing outside, they're playing outside. That's what they're doing. If they're playing a video game, if they're doing something, they're very much in that moment. They're really not, um, as, as adults, they're kind of thinking, you know, their schedules on their phones or running from one thing to the next without much thought and, you know, much consideration to that. Now, in New Jersey, where I live, um, outside of New York City, I do see kids that are becoming much more hurried and rushed. And that's another reason why I wrote A World of Possibilities because they are going from activity to activity. And, you know, sometimes I'll have kids leave my office after their appointment and they'll say to their moms or dads, say, okay, what's next? And it's like, you know, they, they're always in that mode of, you know, they're, they're starting to get in that mode of, you know, uh, not being mindful. So I want kids to, like, kind of slow down and take, take, take a moment and be present to what's happening to them. The other thing I think we could invite as parents and as working with parents to consider is sometimes I've wondered, um, Dr. Cilio, if a child's resistance to a certain activity or not wanting to play that well or hating the piano teacher really is resistance to not having enough time for mindfulness to do their own thing, to to pause, and it gets played out in the fight about whether or not we're going to go into travel soccer. So, I, I mean, I really think there's a lot to gain in learning and in parents, even when parents, I had the same feeling. I thought parents should read the book every day because if you model it, you can better better teach it. Um, maybe you can read a the beginning of the world of possibilities. This is a rhyming book, an exercise in mindfulness. So our listeners get a feel for the message that you're sending and the way you send it. Great. I would love to. I mean, I think also, you know, this book was um, beautifully illustrated. And, and that's another reason why I write picture books and I love them because seeing your book come alive by the beautiful illustrations really enhances the words. So that's, you know, I encourage your listeners, I mean, aside from buying the book, it's, it's a beautifully illustrated um, book, and it's very soft, and it's very comforting even just the pictures to look at. But I'll certainly love to read a bit of it to, to the audience. So we start with, do you know what a possibility is? A possibility is taking a pause just for you to stop and notice what you feel, think, and do. A pause is being in the moment and giving yourself a break. There's no wrong way to pause, so it's hard to make a mistake. Some pauses are silent, while some keep you moving. Pauses should be calming, so things can start improving. Come, let's explore worlds of possibilities. Take a deep breath from your belly and let it out slow. 
Relax your muscles until they feel like dough. Have something yummy and healthy to eat. Notice the flavor. Is it salty or sweet? Go outside and take a walk. Listen to silence. Try not to talk. Let the rays of the sun warm your body and face. Take time to slow down. There's no reason to race. So you really... there. Yeah, it's beautifully done. And I do want to... Thank you. I want to underscore the book is beautiful with pictures. In fact, all of these books, and we're going to be talking about the fact we tried out some books with second graders. They love the pictures and the books as well as the story. But this book in particular just takes you right into the moment and into the pause, giving many different ways. I think that's the other confusion about mindfulness. Um, Drawing can be mindfulness, walking in the sand, taking the pause to smell the roses. There are, you, you suggest to us that there are many ways to take that pause. Absolutely. I'm going to ask your listeners to think about what they had for lunch or for breakfast. Did they really taste what they were eating? I mean, oftentimes we're running from meeting to meeting or whatever it might be, and we're eating to eat. We're, not really, to, we're really not engaging in mindful eating where we are tasting the food, whether we like it or not. I mean, there's many times I'm eating something on the run and I'm like, I don't even like this. Why am I even eating this? But it's just the fact that, you know, you need to eat or you need to, you know, whatever. I mean, I, I think even drinking a cup of coffee, if you really take a moment to feel the warmth of the mug and smell the coffee, if that's your beverage of choice in the morning, and then putting it into your, your mouth and just kind of feeling that warmth and the taste of the coffee is a very, very powerful exercise in mindfulness and it probably if people did that it would be the best cup of coffee they had in a very long time probably true i I want to be sure to mention we're going to take a break but at the back of every book that dr cilio has written are notes for parents that give them the backstory explanations guidance like don't try mindfulness when your child's sort of very very upset don't expect them to love it and get it in the first moment. So he's really there with you in these back notes that he gives. And they accompany every book that we'll be talking about. We're going to take a brief break. You've been listening to Psych Up Live. We're speaking with Dr. Frank Cilio, psychologist and award-winning children's book author. His most recent book, we just heard some of it. A World of Possibilities, an Exercise in Mindfulness. Stay with us. We'll be right back. Streaming live, the leader in Internet talk radio, voiceamerica.com. What is your purpose? In the journey that we call life, our values are pre-programmed into us before we're born. During our lives, we pick up life's lessons and soul connections along the way. We explore this path on Soul Sessions with Solstice, featuring hosts Delana Davis and Rita McRae. Our program is designed to help you more confidently live from your heart and not just your head. Tune in live for Soul Sessions with Solstice every Friday at 9 a.m. Eastern Time, 6 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Variety Channel. Conservation starts with us. Learn about environmental concerns each week when you tune in to Our Wild World with host Ellie Weiss. 
Our show centers on Africa each week and what's being done to save our wildlife, ecology, and ourselves. However, we'll also discuss what's going on closer to home. And most importantly, we'll let you know what can be done in our own backyards by featuring guest experts and featuring your questions and answers. Listen every Monday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Can you truly be a change agent in your community? We think you can. Tune in every week for Envision with host Thomas Rosenberg. The show is all about building an inclusive and just future by connecting people with ideas. Connect with what's happening in your community, your country, and around the world as Thomas speaks with amazing guests who are fostering change and making their communities better. Envision is heard live every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. Think you've seen everything there is to see in online television? Let us surprise you. Visit voiceamerica.tv today for sports, health, business, and more on demand 24-7. You are listening to Psych Up Live. Join in our conversation today by calling Dr. Suzanne Phillips or her guest at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to radiohostphillips at gmail.com. Now back to Psych Up Live. Welcome back to Psych Up Live. We're speaking with Dr. Frank Cilio, psychologist and award-winning children's book author. Now let's talk about some of the books that he provides that really help parents when they're worrying about an issue that their youngster is having. Um, And one of the books that children really seem to respond to is Sally's Sore Loser, a story about winning and losing. So I want to start out, Dr. Cilio, by asking you, what prompted you to write this book? I loved writing this book. This is my first book, actually, I wrote for Imagination Press through APA. And um, I wrote this book because a lot of referrals that I was getting to my practice, you know, they, whether the parents were saying that the child was depressed or anxious or whatever, they were always commenting that they're not good at losing or they're a sore winner, but mostly sore loser. And it just piqued my interest of how to reach um, this, popula- you know, these, this population of children that I was treating, and I experienced it myself I'm using play therapy, using games, therapeutic games and non-therapeutic games that I would experience. Kids would be throwing the checkerboard across the room or the board game <laughs> at me, yes. and I was like, what's going on here and how can I help them? And so that's really what prompted me to write about Sally and how to help kids understand what is a sore loser, but also what's a sore winner. Because we forget about the sore winner, um, the focus is really on the sore loser. And we find that kids who are sore losers or sore winners are often bullies on and off the field. And bullying continues to be a huge problem in our culture. And so this was a different way of introducing the topic of bullying without a book on bullying per se. Now, do you want to give our listeners the overall story, Dr. Cilio? Do you want sure, to read like, from it? Okay. So, so it's about Sally who starts out the story. She loves to be first. She loves to be beat out everybody in the sport. She likes to beat out her brother in eating his mac and cheese. And 
she finds out that while playing a game, because she's being bossy and hogging the ball, the other kids are like, we don't want to play with you anymore because you're not, you're not being nice. And one of her peers calls her, Sally, you're being a sore loser, which upsets Sally very much. And she, went, she goes and talks to her teacher, Mr. Taylor, and he, he talks to her about what a sore loser and what being a good sport is and educates Sally about that. And then the next day at home, she's still really bothered by this, this, this thought that she's a sore loser because I don't think she wants to really be a sore loser. She really wants to have friends. And we know that, you know, the message is, is that you've won if you've had fun. And the other message is, is that sore losers and sore winners win nothing, but they can lose friends. And we know that that can happen. So she tries out some of the skills that her teacher and her mom impart to her. And the kids are starting to say, wow, this is really fun playing with you today. Although Sally still was disappointed at the end of the story, she doesn't win a game of kickball. She's still disappointed, which is a very, very real feeling. And I tell my kids this, that no one wants to lose. It, it, it's, it makes you angry. It makes you frustrated. It makes you sad. But it's what you do with those feelings that could be a good choice or a bad choice. In this story, in the beginning, Sally makes poor choices. At the end of the story, she makes better choices. She's not crying about it. She's not bossing everyone around. She's playing fairly. So that's, in essence, what Sally Sore Loser is about. Also, as you said earlier, that the end of the book is a note to parents about modeling and fostering good sportsmanship and how they can look for opportunities to do that with their children. And maybe a coach can use this book as well, or a teacher can use this book as well. So we wanted to see what second graders would say about this book. And so I asked a literacy specialist reading teacher who's been doing doing that job for almost 40 years in a school district if she would field test our books here. So she read Sally Sore Loser to a group of second graders. And here are the responses that she got. Here's a few of them. Okay. One little one little boy she said said something like, I remember there's this kid who always yells at you if you're on his team and the team is not winning. Then the little boy says, he needs to take a deep breath and say, I won if I had fun. Oh, yeah, wow. Right. So when I heard that, I thought, wow, this little boy got the mantra because mantras help adults. They help children. But he picked this right up. Another little girl. Funny. Yeah. Another little girl said, first thing she said is we should give this book to the gym teacher because a lot of kids are sore losers in gym. So she got it. <laughs> and Wonderful. That same little girl, as well as another little girl, wondered if Sally had really changed. She said, Sally learned her lesson, but did she learn it forever? Good question. Yes, because another little child said, another little girl said, well, she was angry at the beginning, but then she learned. I wonder if she'll really be nice the next day. Ah, So there's a sense children have their own wisdom about this might not be so easy for Sally to change. (laughs) You know, it's it's very interesting. And then one little girl said, I like the way the mom sat down with her and said to her that don't make a big deal if you lose take a breath. And it's the mom in the story who says, take a breath and think, 
I've won if I've had fun. Then right at the same little girl said, I think parents should read to children. So this little one got the mantra also. And then there's something about the reading of the book that made her yearn to have perhaps someone read more to her. And I think that's an interesting lesson for us that children, and I think it goes right up through the ages because I know some uh, young teens who and teens who they love when families are reading books aloud and reading to each other. So it's some that's the other gift of of your work and the show is that we're passing that along. Um, Very informative to read. The, yes. The final comment on this book was: Don't be bossy to your teammates. That's a little boy in second grade. So I have a feeling your book was very well received here. Those are the best awards that I can receive as an author and a psychologist. You know, despite that this won a gold medal, it's lovely, and those are very wonderful things. But what you just told me and the patients I interact with who read this book, those are the awards that has accomplished, you know, we have accomplished our goal of trying to teach kids about this topic. So that's Mm -hmm. wonderful. Okay, let's move on to another book, and that is, I prefaced this before when Dr. Cilio and I were, were speaking, that often parents will say to me, I'm very worried that my child will not stick to anything, won't stick to the music lessons, started soccer, left soccer, wanted to be in a track, left track. I don't understand what's wrong. And this book is called Don't Put Yourself Down in Circus Town, a story about self-confidence. Now, what made you write this book, Dr. Cilio? There are two real themes in this book. One is about teaching kids and adults about what self-confidence is because it's often confused with self-esteem, and I'll clarify that because people don't often use those words intertwined, and they're kind of cousins, but they're not the same thing. Secondly, a lot of kids engage in a lot of self-deprecating talk. I'm stupid. I'm a loser. I'm not smart enough. I'm not pretty enough. And they're putting themselves down, which hurts their self-esteem, but also hinders their self-confidence and leads to lots of problems like depression and anxiety because they're always putting themselves down and, and, and kind of being overly self-critical. Now, that may be coming from themselves, or it could also be coming from the adults in their lives being critical of them. So parents listening need to kind of think about that. Like, are they helping or hindering this, you know, self-confidence issue and self-deprecation issue, putting themselves down? Because I also, when kids do that in therapy, I often say that when you talk to yourself and say something like, I'm a loser or I'm, I'm the worst math student in the class and I'm dumb or whatever kind of words to use. I said, you know, it sounds like when you, when you talk like that and validating their feelings that obviously they're struggling with something, but you're, what you're engaging in is bullying yourself. And I often get the response from kids like wide-eyed and what do you mean bullying myself? Bullies are like on, uh, at school or they're pushing online or they're, they kind of have this picture of the schoolyard bully, bully and they're surprised to discover that, wow, I'm bullying myself because I'm putting myself down just like a bully might say the same things to them that's very hurtful and very damaging. 
So it's not bullying per se, but it's like bullying yourself. Mm-hmm. So that's why I wrote that it, this book is because I wanted kids to learn about, you know, not to engage in that behavior and to also help parents understand how they can foster self-confidence and in their children. Mm. Let's share a little bit of the plot so that um, our listeners uh, understand the book because then we're going to talk about what kids said about it. Okay. Well, there, it takes place in a circus in Circus Town, and Ringmaster Rick is watching everyone do practicing their acts. And we've got, we've got Larry the Lion Tamer, and we have, we have um, Juan and Juanita, which are the trapeze, young trapeze artists, and we have Polka Dot Patty, who is a clown who is having a hard time juggling and riding her unicycle. And, and, and Ringmaster Rick is watching them all practicing their acts and not doing very well at them, and they're engaging in self-deprecation, they're walking away from the, from the task at hand, they're giving up, they're not asking for help. So he's like, what's going on here? Our circus is really suffering here. And he calls a meeting, and he talks about, um, he meets with all the circus you know, players, and there's other players in here, Doggy the Dog, uh, D- Dougie the Dog Trainer, and, and he's, in, he's kind of talking about that you're all kind of putting yourselves down and it's, and it's affecting the circus. And I think one of the, the, the takeaways of this book, like the mantra in Sally Sore Loser was, you've won if you've had fun. One of them is, we all bumble, stumble, and fumble. That is said by Terry the Tightrope rope Walker. <laughs> and the other w- walk-away mantra, which kids hopefully will remember, is give myself a break. Anyone can make a mistake because kids are so hard on themselves. And sometimes mm. the adults in their lives are hard on them. So they go back, they learn some skills, asking for help, engaging in positive self-talk, telling themselves it's okay. Um, if I don't, if I'm not perfect, or I can handle this. Coping statements. Kids need coping mechanisms. Kids need things to cope with when they're dealt with adversity. In this situation, when they are building their self-confidence, they engage in negative self-talk. So in the book, I have several examples of positive self-statements that kids can learn and tell themselves, like, it's no big deal, I'll try my best, I don't have to be perfect, don't quit, Things like that. So, so these are the skills that are imparted in the book, and uh, as addition to if I haven't mentioned about asking for help, uh, and then they're kind of giving themselves a break and realizing that anyone can make a mistake, and they're building their confidence along the way. And by the end of the book, the show goes on. Um, they're feeling much better about themselves, and Ringmaster Rick is really proud of the circus performers because they really really worked hard at not only their acts, but also building their self-confidence. It's a wonderful book. The pictures are just fabulous in it. It's very, children children really respond to it. I want to say one of the things that the teacher mentioned is, she said, and and I'm going to, at the other side of the break, I'm going to tell you what some of the children said, but the teacher said, I love the part that says when you put yourself down, it's almost like you were bullying yourself. She said, I love that concept to share with children. 
And the other thing that I in particular like, Dr. Cilio, was very often we'll say to kids, think positive thoughts. You've got to be positive. They have no idea what we're talking about when we right. say that. So at one point in the book, when the ringmaster says to this, this adorable crowd of uh, performers, pause and think helpful thoughts, you see the heads of all these little performers, and they're each saying something like, I can handle this. I'll try harder next time. I don't have to be perfect. So I thought, oh, this is wonderful. Dr. Cilio has literally given children an example of what it means when someone says, you've got to think positive. You can't think negative. Because I don't think children have the concept or can't translate it into a mantra for themselves. I believe, I believe absolutely correct. So that's why I gave them some examples. And even the kids ask in the book, the circus performers ask, like, well, what are some positive thoughts? And then they were given, they were kind of given time to think about it and then came up with some of their own. It's just terrific. We're going to take a brief break. Um, We've been talking with Dr. Frank Cilio about his award-winning children's books. And we were were talking at the moment about a book that really helps children with self-confidence and really gives parents and children some tools to do that. When we come back, we're going to find out what some second graders said about this very book and continue talking about more of Dr. Cilio's work. Stay with us. We'll be right back. The Internet's number one talk station. Number one talk station. VoiceAmerica.com Are you or someone you know interested in attending college? With both college tuition and college enrollment up 60% since 2002, there is a lot of competition, and careful planning needs to be a part of the process. Tune in to Getting In, a College Coach Conversation. Hosted by Elizabeth Heaton and featuring a team of college coach experts, we'll bring you the tips, techniques, and know-how to navigate the road to college and do so the smart way. Listen live every Thursday at 4 p.m. Eastern Time, 1 p.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Are you finding your frequency? It can be described as that space between failure and success. It's the future of digital media. It's finding your voice. It's engaging topics, content, and ideas. Jeff and Ryan discuss the digital media space and all of its aspects. It's about making the mistakes, taking the chances, summoning the intestinal fortitude to step out of your comfort zone, and discovering what you can accomplish when you decide to try, decide to learn, decide that you have something to say, and find your frequency. Fridays at 2 p.m. Pacific Time, 5 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. You count. Tune into Interrevolutionary Radio and join the spontaneous wave of people all over the planet who, like you, are changing our world from the inside out. Follow the movement. Meet guests who are shaking things up. Call in and gain insights and courage to empower your own voice. Large or small, your part counts. So join us. Co-hosted by Beth Green and James Maynard, Inner Revolutionary Radio airs live every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Voice America. 
You are listening to Psych Up Live. Join in our conversation today by calling Dr. Suzanne Phillips or her guest at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. You may also send an email to radiohostphillips at gmail.com. Now back to Psych Up Live. Welcome back to Psych Up Live. We're speaking with Dr. Frank Cilio, psychologist and award-winning children's book author. And we we were just talking about the very, very special book about confidence. It's called Don't Put Yourself Down in Circus Town, a story about self-confidence. And we also field-tested this book with second graders. And... I'll just say overall, one of the things I think you're going to hear is that children don't let book stories just wash over them. One of the powers of fiction is that we embrace fiction. We let it transport us, and it usually takes us to a very personal place. So here's some of the responses we got, a few of them, from a second grade group. Um, so remember, the, the message of this um, Dr. Cilio, do I have this right? The message is don't give up. Um, right. keep, give myself a break. Anyone can make a mistake. We're going to try to build self-confidence, which is what the little um, circus folks do once they start and stop putting themselves down. So right. one little boy, as soon as the book was finished, said, oh, this book is like the motto of the month. You can do it if you just stick to it. Now, what was was cute is he had another mantra, but he got the connection of it. That's wonderful. Yeah. What was was that again? You can... You can do it if you just stick to it. Wonderful. Now, another little girl, talk about personal responses, said, Oh, this is like when my teacher said that I keep doubting myself and erasing the spelling words all the time. Mm -hmm. She took me aside and said I should trust my answers. Wow. So you can see how they got it and then applied it to themselves. I I so much want our listeners to know that's the gift of these books for you and your children. Another boy said, I never thought of it like bullying. The teacher herself shared with me that she loved that concept and had not seen it in other books. The whole idea that when you put yourself down, it's almost like you are bullying yourself. So I would say overall, they also she said they liked the concept and the words, everybody makes mistakes. I think that that comes from give myself a break everyone can make a mistake so the mantras that you offer not only do they help the children when they're reading the book Dr. Cilio but they mm. can become some of the phrases parents can use Absolutely. so it becomes, yeah, it becomes like an insider um, support team using some of these concepts right that's why I, I, I implement them in the books because it's something that that's their takeaway, and, and parents will say it, and um, teachers will use that, or anyone that's interacting with children. It's a quick reminder back to that book of, you know, you've won if you've had fun. You know, every, give yourself a break. Anyone can make a mistake. It's very easy for kids to, in a concrete way in their, in their, you know, whatever age they are to kind of hold on to that and, and use that. 
And, and using a mantra really fits in with the original book on mindfulness because when you use a mantra, it is like a pause. All right. of a sudden, you have caught it and you're reminding yourself so that you don't start sliding down the negativity of what it is that is a good way to think about it. And, and that slippery slope can happen awfully fast with kids and adults as well, whether it be coming self-confident or whether, you know, winning a game or whatever that might be, it can be a very quick slippery slope, especially kids who struggle with emotional regulation issues or kids who are impulsive. It can happen zero to 60. Mm. Very, very important. Now, another book that Dr. Silio wrote is fits in with this time of year because this is going to camp time of year and with going to camp time of year comes homesickness. And this book, well, what made you write Bug Bites and Campfires, a story for kids about homesickness? As you said, a lot of uh, it's that time of the year. Actually, it's usually about April where kids are making decisions about what they're going to, or parents are making decisions about what they're going to do over the summer. And some of them are going to be going away to sleepaway camp. And that engenders a whole host of feelings, including homesickness, which is, you know, or separation anxiety. And although this book is written for kids about homesickness and takes place in a camp, it really could be used for kids who have trouble separating from mom or dad or other caregivers, like a sleepover or going to grandma's house and not being with mom and dad. So it can, it's, even though, like I said, the setting is a summer camp, it really is written also for kids who you know, are separated from their parents due to other things, or even, you know, mom and dad go away and they're left at home with a babysitter or a grandparent or other caregiver. So that's what prompted me to write this story on homesickness because lots of my kids in this particular area of the country, a lot of kids go to sleepaway camp. And a lot of them were coming to me with feelings of homesickness and being anxious about separating from their caregivers. And so, hence, writing bug bites and campfires for them and giving them tools. And some of those tools, of course, the story is of a little boy who goes to camp and faces some of the upset that many children do and doesn't really want to do anything. And so, just in, in, in line with what we've been talking about on the show, what are some of the mantras that this little boy gets along the way? Well, he's encouraged by his counselor tools along along the journey this one doesn't have like a particular mantra as the other ones have but at the end you know throughout the book he's given tools on what to do to combat homesickness and at the end of the book there is a an illustration that highlights um, all the tips that you can remember for dealing with homesickness like talking with someone keeping busy finding a friend and getting involved in group activities, writing home, and keep thinking good thoughts. Going back to that original we were talking about earlier about Circus Town, about keeping positive thoughts um, is very, very important. Um, also keeping a, I think Andy in the story also, he keeps, um, he kind of marks off on a calendar to see that he is um, getting closer to coming home. But by the end of the book, he's having so much fun and realizing that he's met friends and getting involved in activities that he has, he's combated uh, homesickness. I mean, 95% of kids experience homesickness when they go away to summer camp or whatever. So it's a very, quote-unquote, normal feeling. The, the, the message is also that it doesn't last long. 
that the feeling that they're having of homesickness does not last long. So, so for them to know that you might feel this feeling, but it's not going to last long if you engage in these kinds of tips. And when, when they, kids usually return back to me after their summer camp, they usually say, I did all these things and I was homesick, but I was able to kind of hang out there and, and work it through. And it, after about you know, a week or so of camp, um, I was fine. There are instances where kids really are not having a good summer at all. And, you know, really the pickup deal as far, as far as parents picking up their kids from camp should be the very last thing that they do. Because what that does is it undermines talking about self-confidence, that the child's self-confidence and their ability to do things, but it also undermines the staff because usually camp staff are trained in helping kids through this kind of issue and undermines their ability to help the child kind of cope with um, you know, this feeling. And again, I talked about earlier that kids need coping. And the pickup deal or taking them out of camp or taking them out of something that they're not comfortable with immediately sends the message that you can't handle this. It's an unsafe place, perhaps, and perhaps we made a mistake and, you know, just come home and everything will be fine. Well, the child will be fine when they're coming home, but until the next time when they have to face something that is challenging for them, you can't always have, you know, the quick fix. Right. It is so well said. The The other thing that the book does in relation to that, it's very different if someone says, don't be a crybaby, baby. everybody else is staying. That's a very different negative message Absolutely. as opposed to giving someone some tools and right. recognizing this isn't easy for a lot of people and a lot of people need tools and nobody likes the hamburgers and everybody is wondering what mystery meat is it in the role? So, I mean, that's the good part. Some things don't change in the camp, but he finds a way uh, with some really good tools to manage. So I I think it's it's a wonderful book. It's a real contribution to children who are involved in divorce and visitations and um, spend time away from one or sometimes the the closer parent. So it's it's really a wonderful um, gift. Now, I wanted to ask you to tell us a little bit about your new book coming out, I think you said in October. Okay, my uh, seventh children's book is coming out this October, and it's called Did You Hear? A Story About Gossip. It's published by Imagination Press from, through the American Psychological Association, and it is illustrated actually by the illustrator who did uh, World of Possibilities. So it's another beautifully illustrated book, and I'm very, very proud of it. This book focuses on, listen, we all gossip. Everyone, you know, there's, there's, you know, gossiping about someone, how is someone feeling when they're not present, so that's considered gossip. But there's also malicious gossip. And that's what the focus of this book is about. And in today's world, through the Internet, through social media, through a text, things can be spread about someone so quickly and can stick around for a very, very long time. And so I want to teach kids about that this sort of falls under the cyberbullying genre and the, the, you know, the, the, the concept of cyberbullying and how that children should be very cautious about how when gossip comes your way or how to avoid gossip or when you hear malicious gossip, what should you do? And also advising the parents because parents can also engage in this kind of behavior as well talking about another child, talking about another teacher, talking about another parent. So we're modeling, I mean, that's a message I send throughout all my books in the notes to parents is that we are their role models. 
and that children are looking to us as to how to behave, how to feel, what to think. And so if we're modeling poor sportsmanship, poor self-confidence, we're gossiping, we're not taking a moment, we're, you know, et cetera, then we are exacerbating that problem in some way. And so as parents and caregivers, we need to be aware of that. That's a great take-home message. We're just about out of time, and I want to be certain. I think this new book will be wonderful. Um, how will how can our listeners find your books, find you? Just give us some information on that. Sure. All my books are available on Amazon or Barnes & Noble. They're also available on APA.org. Um, they can find me at drfrancilio.com. That's my website. You can also order your books, the books that I have, through my website. Um, the first three books that I wrote, Toilet Paper Flowers, Hold the Cheese, Please, and Bug Bites and Campfires, um, I own those books currently. So if, they, if your listeners want to order them, they can go on Amazon and just order it through the Purple Door. That's my other company, and they can order it through that. And it's actually, I autograph those books to uh, people who purchase uh, personal cop- my personal copies of those books. But the other books are on, like I said, Amazon uh, or Barnes & Noble or APA.org. Okay. Um, Dr. Frank Cilio, I really want to thank you for coming on the show. You know, they say that when thank you, you tell some. You're welcome. They they tell they say that when you tell someone a story, um, it lives in their heart forever. I think you've touched a lot of parents and a lot of children, and I'm very grateful for the work you do. Thank Brought you very it. much. Thank you very, very much. I just want parents and kids to know they're not alone and that they're not the only ones going through this and that a book is wonderful, but it's not everything, and to reach out for help if they need it to a mental health professional, a school that they're not alone in, in dealing with these issues that I've talked about or other issues that come up in children's and, and parents' lives. Thank you so much. To my listeners, thank you for listening. This this will be a podcast like any of our shows. This will be a podcast by this evening on iTunes, iPhones, Voice America, Psych Up Live. Remember to drop me a question or a comment at radiohostphillips at gmail.com. But mostly, until next week, Please take care, thanks, and be listening. Thank you for tuning in to Psych Up Live. Please join Dr. Suzanne Phillips for another edition of our programming next Thursday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. We'll talk more next week. 